What's going on, Sandals Church? I, I gotta tell y'all something. This is my favorite time of the week. I know pretty soon it's going to be the most wonderful time of the year, but this is the most wonderful time of the week for me. I mean, thousands upon thousands of us are watching together this service online, and that's pretty cool. It may seem like we are we are not together, but, but we are to God. All of us watching the service and receiving the message while we are physically distant, but spiritually connected. Oh, that was good. Somebody need to tweet that. <laughs> my name is Jeff and, and I'm in Riverside, California, and I love Sandals Church. Sandals Church is my home. And I love the vision we have about being real with ourselves, God, and others. Now it's your turn. If you are in the chat, let us know who you are and where you're watching from. And if you are new, let us know by going to sandalschurch.com next. We would love to connect with you. Some of you have decided to turn this individual viewing experience into a gathering of people coming to your home, experiencing service together. Maybe you aren't close to one of our campuses and you're a longtime viewer, or maybe you lead a community group that's watching together. Either way, you decided to make this the best experience possible by becoming a Sandals Church Anywhere, which, which when you're watching online will always be the ideal way to watch. Hey, I told you that that we are about to embark on the most wonderful time of the year, which means that Christmas is right around the corner. I have a seven-year-old little girl and every day she asks me, Daddy, is Christmas time? Is it Christmas time? No, baby, it's not Christmas time yet. This Christmas, we are planning some wonderful opportunities for you and your family to have an amazing Sandals Church experience. And we want you all to be in the know. You can go to sandalschurch.com slash Christmas to find out all that's going on. Now, let's join our worship team and sing this very recognizable but truth-telling song. Let's sing. What's up, everybody? Let's worship together. Put your hands together like this. Sing with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth
His love is wondrous. Thanks for singing with us, friends. And, and I got to tell you why his love is so wondrous. Last week, Sandals Church Kids Team gave kids the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus during their weekly online service. And we are happy to share with you that so far, over 30 kids with the help of their parents made a decision to follow Jesus. And this one hits extra close to home for our online family. One of them was our own online group's catalyst, Nick Holt's son, Jackson, as well as my own five-year-old son, Titus. Man, I can't tell you how happy I am, not just for our family, but for all the families who got to experience this life-changing moment with their kids. Right now, angels are rejoicing, and those kids' lives will never be the same again. That's awesome. If you have elementary kids in your home, this is a time to have them check out kids.sandalschurch.tv and have them experience their very own kids service. Well, we are excited to have a good friend of ours bring the message today, who is clearly not a guest, but a longtime Sandals Church member, dear friend of Pastor Matt, and an awesome man of God. Let's listen in with Pastor Claude Hickman. We are the river, we are the dreamers. Aiming for the stars against the sky. When we are together, we are bright. Hey, Sandals Church, welcome back. And today we're beginning a new series, Building Toward Christmas, and the series is called Light. Listen, light is one of the most important symbols and metaphors in the Bible. In fact, one of the first things that God speaks into creation is let there be light. Three verses into the Bible, let there be light, and God saw that the light was good. And I think right now, you know, we're pretty excited about Christmas. We're anticipating Christmas. We need some Christmas cheer, but you can't really understand how meaningful light is until you've been through some darkness. Anybody been through some darkness lately? You know, when I was in high school, uh, I got lost in the woods and I went camping with my friends and I, this is one of the reasons I hate camping even to this day. Uh, there used to be a book called Things White People Do and camping was like number one, but I never go camping again because I got lost in like 400 acres of forest in Oklahoma, it was terrifying. And, and you know, this is, you know, people don't really get lost anymore because this was back before the smartphone, you know, the iPhone. And you know, you know that feeling when you've lost your iPhone, how you kind of feel anxious and naked? Well, in the 90s, that's how we felt all the time. You know, we didn't have like 911 and a GPS and a compass and all that stuff with us. We were just lost, right? Even now, if I, you know, try to leave your phone in the car and go in a coffee shop and you probably feel the way I feel, you're like, I mean, you feel like Bear grills for a minute trying to survive in the wilderness. You know, I'm, I, where can I get protein and memes? You know, that, that's how we feel. Well, that's how we felt back then. And I was lost in the woods and all I had was one of those big like D battery flashlights. And, and it took me like 30 minutes to figure out that, you know, the only thing I was doing was going in a big circle. I was getting lost faster. You know, I, I was just basically telling the animals where I was. And, and so I remember being so terrified in the dark, but I had to do something even scarier. I had to turn the flashlight out. And, and then I just had to wait. And, and there in the darkness in the woods, I remember being so scared and saying, God, uh, first of all, I was like, God, I don't want to die single. You know, I was 18. I was like, God, I don't want to die single. And I was like, Lord, get me through this. And there I had to just sit in the darkness because I had to wait for my eyes to adjust so I could see a different light. And eventually, as my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I could tell that there was a little bit more of an orange glow over here. And, and as my eyes adjusted even longer, I, I could tell that was probably our campfire because we always had like one pyro kid, Kenny, who'd throw gasoline on the campfire. And I was like, praise God for Kenny. I knew that was our campfire. I'm getting out of the woods. I'm never going camping again. You know, I remember getting back to our campground and, and my friends didn't appreciate like the trauma I'd just been through. And, and I'm telling them, you know, I got lost, all this stuff. One of my friends was like, why didn't you just use the stars? I was like, I don't know, Galileo, you know, can anybody do that anymore? Uh, and I was so relieved when I saw that campfire because man, light was life. 
that light meant life, that, that, that rescue was happening, that, that hope and help was on the way, and man, I needed it. And, and I was only lost for 30 minutes. Let me show you some words of a guy named Isaiah who, who had to wait not 30 minutes, but 700 years for the light. He says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone, but for us a child has born. A light has come. He says, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He had to wait. He had to wait for that promise. Let me ask you, what have you been waiting on? What have you been waiting on in your heart this year? What, what is the tension? Maybe, you know, some of us are waiting on, we've been waiting on a president, uh, we've been waiting on a vaccine. We've been waiting on schools to open back up. We've been waiting on the country to open back up. Some of us have just been waiting for 2021, just like, you know what, forget 2020, let's just move on, right? And I don't know about Christmas, but for some of us, Christmas, we're going, man, we gotta make Christmas extra special. Maybe you're you know, planning and thinking, we gotta make up for all the bad. Or, or maybe you're like me, you're like, oh man, just forget it, it's over, you know. Baby, it's COVID outside, that's, that's it, right? That's my answer to everything lately. I've been waiting all year to use that joke. Baby, it's COVID outside. So what are you waiting on? You know, the Christmas story reminds us something. And I think every year we kind of rehearse the Christmas story, but we miss the Christmas truth. We miss the proof that God gives us in Christmas that we need to hear, even in a season of darkness, even in a season of waiting. John, each of the New Testament authors record something different about the story of Christmas. And so we're gonna jump around a little bit in the New Testament from a couple of different guys who wrote about the life of Jesus because they teach us something that's true about God. John records this in John 1. When he begins to tell his version of the Christmas story, he doesn't start in Bethlehem. He doesn't start with Mary. He starts like this. In the beginning was the word. In other words, before creation before time existed in eternity past the son of God already existed as the word of God and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning in other words the Christmas story is a lot older than you think and in fact if you know the entire story of the Bible you know that the people of God actually had to wait for many of the promises of God. From Genesis 3, the serpent will strike you on the heel, but you will crush his head. The people of God had to wait since Genesis 3 for thousands of years. They had to wait for God's promises all through the prophets. And then there comes a time where they're under Roman rule and, and Gentile rule, and, and God goes silent. God no longer speaks through the prophets. For 400 years, there's silence, and the people of God have to wait. And then an angel speaks to a young woman named Mary, and all of a sudden there's light. All of a sudden there's hope. And I, I love that the angel ends after he tells Mary all the things that God is gonna do. He says, because nothing will be impossible with God. Verse nine, John 1, 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Can you hear, you can almost hear this key change in the story. The, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Something is changing. The light is coming. Then we see wise men come from the east who've watched the stars. Let me ask you a question. How long in ancient Near East culture do you have to watch the stars to realize something's changing? They were waiting. They were waiting and watching this Bethlehem star. You know, I actually went back and I decided to do some research on the star of Bethlehem. You know, and, it, and I ended up on space.com, okay? This is not necessarily where I planned to go for my Bible knowledge, but here I am at space.com. And I'm thinking, you know what? These people, they don't worship God. They're, they're not out to, you know, show me why this is true. In fact, I, you know, I prepared my heart to see, oh man, Bethlehem star debunked, you know, Jesus, fake news. But here at space.com, do you know what I found? That these astronomers are so smart. You know, they've mapped out all these stars and all their pathways. They can tell you where Halley's Comet is gonna be 2,000 years from now, but guess what they can also do? They can rewind the tape and see what was going on 2,000 years ago. And listen to me, from April 7 BC until January 6 BC, do you know what they found? That Jupiter and Saturn and maybe even Mars for eight consecutive months, 
those planets were in three degrees from each other. In other words, they came together in this sort of supernova event right around that time for eight months. This says from the time it would have taken to travel from Babylon to Judea. This is from space.com. And I began to look at that and realize, you know what? God is doing something. There, there is a proof here. And I wanna give you, when we think about Christmas, Christmas reminds us of a couple of different truths. And the first ones come from the stars. Think about when did this begin when God set it in motion in the beginning? You know, I think the stars said, man, well, I wanna play a part in this. I wanna be a part of this story. And Saturn and Jupiter, God started this countdown that happened. For, since the beginning of time, they've been waiting. They've been waiting for this moment. And at the last minute, I think Mars was even like, hey, I wanna get on this story. I know it wasn't part of the plan, but I wanna get on this story. Jupiter's like, come on. And, and they all of a sudden, they say, let's turn up the volume. Let's do something so that the entire galaxy sees that this is the moment that all creation has been waiting for. And listen, this is what the stars teach you and me, truth number one, that while you and I are waiting, God is working. While you and I are waiting, God's working. Paul says, this is a normal experience for Christians to wait. In Romans 8, he says this, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we groan inwardly as we wait. As we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. And in this hope, we were saved. For if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You know, we're not good at waiting. We're a culture that's not good at waiting. And, and, and People throughout history were not good at waiting. Read through the Psalms, even through the Psalms, even the psalmists who loved God and knew God say over and over, God, how long? How long, O oh Lord, do we wait? One of the reasons we have a tough time waiting is we're not in control. We're not in control. And as I was reading through John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the light was coming to the world. There's these verses in between. And it says this, it's kind of a strange three verses and I, and I tend to ask questions when I read the Bible, God, why did you put these verses in there? So it, all, it stops to kind of give us a parenthesis about the word. It says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And I thought that's a strange phrase to put into the middle of this story. All things were made through him. Why God? And I think God's reminding us, John is reminding us that while we're waiting, man, God's in control. There is nothing that is made in this world that he hasn't made. There's nothing in this universe, there's nothing that happens in our life that he hasn't allowed to happen and that he hasn't caused for his purposes. And you know, we have uh, right around Thanksgiving, we put up this poster of all the things we're thankful for. And I got convicted a couple weeks ago when I was thinking about this verse and I realized, you know what God, 2020 is a day that you've made. It's a year that you've made and I need to rejoice and be thankful for it. And I wrote 2020 on our thankfulness poster and just said, God, you made it. You're in control of it. This word in him was life, John says, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He's, gonna, he's in control and he's gonna have absolute victory. You know, one of the cool things about my job is I get to travel a lot. My staff get to travel. We meet a lot of cool people. One of my staff girls, she came to me a couple weeks ago and said, I got to tell you the story of somebody I met. And it was a missionary, uh, a missionary kid who she grew up in Pakistan. And they met at a conference and she said, I want to tell you, you know, my story growing up in Pakistan as a missionary kid. She said, you know that game you guys play in America, hide and seek? We actually had to play that to stay alive. You know, when, when ISIS or people would come through, we had to hide in our home or maybe sometimes move. One time our village got so dangerous that my father was in danger. We had to move to a completely different village in North Pakistan because it was known as the, one of those quiet, uh, peaceful villages in Northern Pakistan. And so they were in their home that year. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, one in the morning, 2011, uh, all of a sudden, guns and, and bombshells started raining down all around their house, she said. And my family w w would have a, uh, you know, we had a plan where we huddled together in this one part of the house. And we're in the middle of the house, huddled together in complete darkness. And all I can hear is bombshells, guns raining down all around our house. And I heard a helicopter. She said, I could see the light from it through the window, but we were in the darkness. And I hear this helicopter that sounds like it's landing on our house. And she said, listen, we huddled in the darkness and I was waiting to die. And what happened next was 
this helicopter that she heard was not ISIS, it was US soldiers, it was SEAL Team 6. And she woke up the next morning and realized that their next door neighbor was Osama bin Laden. <laughs> can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, first of all, you, you know, the only downside of that is you can never complain about your neighbors again, all right? You can never complain. You just be like, hey, you're not as bad as my last neighbor, Osama bin Laden. But you know, what I love about this story is it's just like Christmas. Christmas needs to remind us that, listen, the hero is coming. That sound you hear, even in the darkness, is that the hero is coming. He is the light of the world. He's gonna defeat sin. He's gonna set people free. God is gonna overcome all the 2020s in your life. And listen to me, even though you and I are in the darkness, God is in control. He's in full control. When Matthew sits down to write the story of Christmas and Jesus's birth, look for this phrase. He says, as it is written. In other words, he's saying God has spoken some things throughout all of history through the prophets, and now we're seeing them come together. Listen to this, that Jesus will be virgin born, Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's from Isaiah 7, written 700 years before Jesus. Then the priest, Herod, they say he will be from Bethlehem, Matthew 2. He told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written in the prophets that you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. That comes from Micah 2, written 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah 60 says, nations will come to your light and the brightness of your dawn. And so Matthew in chapter two, he says, after Jesus was in Bethlehem, these wise men come from the east, from the nations. And they said, because we saw his star, it's fulfilled. That he flees Egypt, Matthew two. Joseph rose, took them and the child and the mother by night, departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, out of Egypt, I've called my son. That's from Hosea, 600 years before Jesus. Can you imagine Matthew sitting down, starting to make all these connections that Jesus checks off everything God said about the Messiah. Herod tries to eliminate this Messiah by killing children. And Matthew two says this fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, that Rachel would weep for her children, Jeremiah 31. And then Jesus ends up in Galilee. How does a Nazarene born in Bethlehem come out of, flee out of Egypt and be called a Galilean? God does it. Matthew 4, he withdrew to Galilee so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Matthew's solving a mystery. And he's saying every red thread in this mystery points to Jesus. God said it and he does it. And that's truth number two that you and I need to take away from the Christmas story is that it's not just a story, it's this truth, that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Luke tells us a Christmas story. And in Luke two, he ends with someone who's a lot like you and me, someone who's waiting, named Simeon. And when the, Mother and father, Jesus, bring him to the temple for his dedication. Here we find Simeon, a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And in Luke 2, he says, now, when he, they bring him the child and he dedicates the child and prays, he says, now, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. In other words, God, you said it. And even though I waited my whole life, you kept your promise. Listen, don't quit for the miracle. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all people. Listen to this, a light, a light for the world. You know, there's a difference between waiting and watching. And when we find Simeon, we find that his heart was not just waiting for something to be over. His heart was watching, watching for God's promise, watching for God's Messiah. That's very different. You know, when, my when we go visit our family uh, every year or so, we drive back to Oklahoma. So we drive east and we drive in one drive all night long. And all my friends think I'm crazy. We it's like 26 hours, you know, and we just drive in the evening. We drive all through the night. And everybody's like, Claude, why, you know, why do you drive 
all through the night, all evening. And I'm like, well, it's because I have two kids and that's the only quiet that we ever get, okay? That's why we drive, because they sleep the whole time. It's awesome. And, and, you know, it's a difficult drive. Like my wife and I trade off, but there's times in the middle of the night where you're just driving. I can't make the earth go faster. Uh, you know, really the, only, the fastest way to get through the darkness is to drive through it. And so we drive through it. But I love this time with God. I love this sweet time with him as we drive through the dark. But, you know, there comes a point around New Mexico where the light on the horizon starts to show blue instead of black. And as I keep driving, there's this moment around Gallup where it starts to turn orange and you're just watching. And listen, when the sun, when that light finally breaks through, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I know West Coast, we love our sunset, but every once in a while, you need to see a sunrise. You need to see the light break through. And it's, it brings great joy because you've waited for it. You know, I'm gonna ask you this. What Christmas are you watching for? What are you preparing your heart for at Christmas? You know, that's the question I've had to ask myself. First John says this, that which was from the beginning, which we heard about and which we have seen with our eyes, we now proclaim to you. And we are writing these things so that our joy might be complete. You know, one of the reasons I thought maybe my Christmas falls flat because the only thing I've been preparing to worship is me. The only thing I've been watching for is me. You know, the greatest promise that God makes is his promise of rescue. He's promised to rescue us. Colossians says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Yes, there was darkness in the world, but God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He redeemed us, he rescued us. This word rescue reminded me of what happened last summer. I don't know if you remember this story of this Thai soccer team that got stuck in this cave. They hiked 12 young boys and their coach hiked two miles into this cave. And once they got into the middle of this cave, the water rose and they got stuck. And they were stuck in there for two weeks in the darkness and people couldn't figure out how to get to them. And the whole world was watching. Can you imagine this? If you're claustrophobic and afraid of the dark, and afraid of water, this has like all the things. And I couldn't, you know, the whole world was terrified and they were literally under miles and miles of like solid rock and everybody was trying to figure out how do we get to them. It took 13 Navy SEAL divers, nine hours just to get to them two weeks later, just to get to them. And at one point in this journey, what made it so impossible is there was a, a 15 inch hole, basically a 15 inch passageway that they had to pass through, it was impossible. But you know what? Can you imagine being in the dark and seeing that light come through the cave for the first time in two weeks? Can you imagine seeing that light break through? That someone found a way. You realize why that's great news? That someone could find a way to you? Do you realize why that's great news? Because that means if someone can get to you, someone might be able to get you back home. If someone can make a way to you, they can make a way out. This is truth number three. Christmas proves to us that God can bring us home. God can bring us home. Second Timothy says this, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and he will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. If God can keep his promise of Christmas, he can keep his promise of heaven, amen? Here's the deal though. The divers got to him, but they couldn't take all the kids out at once. They had to take them in three trips. And as I was reading about this story, I realized that some of the kids had to volunteer to go first into the darkness with these divers, which took probably an incredible amount of bravery to say, I'll go first. And if you don't think kids wouldn't wanna go first, you don't know kids. They'd be like, I'll stay here in the dark until somebody you know, drills through. Like they, they don't think the way you and I think. But somebody had to go first and then they, it was a nine hour trip. So guess what everybody else is thinking? Are they coming back? Some of the others may have thought, I wish I would have volunteered to go first. Maybe I missed my moment. You know, are they coming back? It's a good question. John 14, Jesus says this, 
let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In the Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And listen to this. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. If Jesus can make a way to us, he can bring us home. And then he says this to the disciples. He goes, and you know the way to where I'm going. And now Thomas, this is when Thomas raises his hand. You know, every, all the other disciples are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just kind of nodding, you know, they're liars. What I love about Thomas, we, should, we call Thomas doubting Thomas. We should just call him honest Thomas. Thomas is like, he, this is what he says. Uh, Lord, we do not know the way. <laughs> we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this is where we get one of the most famous lines that Jesus says. He looks at the disciples. He says, I am the way. I am the way out. And I am the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 14, he says this again, second time. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you. In other words, I made a promise. You heard me say it. I am going away. I will come again to you. What's amazing in that story in the Thai you know, soccer team in the cave is that they rescued all 12 of those boys and their coach. They, they all made it out. But what's crazy is when it comes to the rescue of Jesus, not everybody trusts him to rescue him. John 1 says this, the word was with God, the word came into the world, but he came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. Christmas is a a crossroads for some of you. Am I gonna trust this rescuer or not? Yet the all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, listen to this, he not only rescues them, but he gives the right to become children of God. And you can't do this on your own. This adoption is a miracle that God provides. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's an impossible trip. You can't do it, but Jesus made a way. He made a way to adopt us as his children. And Ephesians says this, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. God's already decided it. It's one of the greatest promises that he makes. All the paperwork's done. You know, one of my best friends, uh, the, him and his wife adopted a couple years ago, but, but it was a 10-year process. <laughs> My friend is, you know, he's what you call risk averse. Like he's the most terrified person of everything. If he comes to your house, you know, he'd open your dishwasher and turn all your knives facing down so that nobody gets hurt. He would never let our kids or his kids play with a straw. He's like, yeah, that's how kids poke their eyes out with a straw. You know, it's just super risk averse. So when his wife first brought up adoption 10 years ago, he's like, no way. I mean, you know, adoption has like, all the risks, he could think of, like, think of like 100 reasons why it's too risky. And so this was a long process. In fact, over that time, their family had five kids. My friend's like, babe, we got a basketball team, we're good. And she said, well, we need a sub. <laughs> and so he's finally said, okay, we'll adopt. And then it was another you know, one, two year process as they went through paperwork. And I remember kind of feeling like I went through the process with my friend, uh, two different countries, you know, looking and asking God, where are we adopt? all the paperwork, all the money. And it wasn't until he was on his way to China to adopt this little boy that something happened. And when I asked him about the story, this is the only part of the adoption story that he continues to tell. He's on his way to pick up their boy. And someone in the airport asked him a question. She says, does he know you're coming? And my friend I'm not gonna be able to tell this part of the story. My friend, he says, ma'am, he has no idea. He said, he has no idea that he has a bed and a room waiting for him. He, He has no idea that he has 13 cousins, all girls. He has no idea, he's got a college fund He has no idea that he has a mother 
And he has a father, but he said this, but you know what? I'm coming for him. I'm coming for him. Listen, you might be waiting, but this is what Jesus says to you and me. John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. My prayer is that you would remember that hope. You would remember our gift from God. Listen, the good news this Christmas is not that, you know, we need somebody to save Christmas. The good news is that Christmas saves you and it saves me. And may we remember that good news. May we watch for the hero, the light who's breaking through the darkness. Can we pray that together? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your light that's breaking through. God, we sing a song once in a while that says, I can't go back to the beginning. We can't control what tomorrow's gonna bring. But I know here in the middle is the place that you promised to be. God, that's how our heart feels right now. We feel like we're in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of a story. We don't see the end. And so God, I pray that you would comfort those who are waiting. God, those who are waiting on some good news. God, would you remind us that you're working. God, renew our hope, our faith. And one day, God, we will look back and say, not for a minute were we forsaken. We, we might be in the dark, God, but we say you are in control. God, remind us to trust your promises. God, all throughout the world, when Christmas is celebrated, whether they know it or not, they are declaring that, God, you are a promise keeper. And Jesus, you made a way. And you said, Jesus, that you're coming back. We remember that promise. And the question is, are we ready to receive you? God, some who are watching right now, the rescuer has come, but we're not ready to receive and believe. Have you put your life in the hands of the hero, the rescuer? That's the gift of God. That's the gift of God at Christmas to bring you home safely to his family. I pray that you would receive him and you believe on his name. And God, would you help set our hearts this Christmas to watch for your son and to celebrate what you have done for us. God, the light is coming to the world. The darkness has lost the battle and the hero has made a way for us to truly live. Thank you, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now that is good news. Jesus will not leave us or forsake us. Maybe this year has left you feeling alone or forgotten. But Pastor Claude reminds us that we have a God who sees us and has promised us that he is with us. He is with you. You know, Pastor Claude himself was someone who used to just, just show up and listen to the messages, but now he's teaching messages alongside Pastor Matt because we love developing leaders here at Sandals Church. Our world desperately needs leaders who have been equipped and sharpened by the church. It's possible that, that we actually need you. Here at Sandals Church, we are incredibly passionate about raising up leaders for the next generation. If you want to grow as a leader, we are taking applications right now for our eight-month Robo Leadership School that's run by the pastors, executives, and leaders who run all the areas of ministry right here at Sandals Church. Check out this story from Amy, who is a past Rogo student, and how it impacted her. If you're ready to do the thing that God created you to do, then you need to check out Rogo School. You know, anyone could watch a TED Talk on YouTube. You could go on Instagram, grab an inspirational quote. Rogo School is a leadership development program that sharpens your skills and develops your character. Rogo School is so, so different from any leadership training or program that I've ever gotten to experience. I really believe it's because the Sandals Church DNA is embedded into it. What's cool about Rogo School is that you get to draw out the qualities that are already in you, and then you get to develop those and sharpen those so that you can be the great leader that God has called you to be. If you wanna do the thing that God created you to do, then you should apply for Rogo School.
this same world-class experience is now being offered both online and in person at many of our campus locations. If you want to grow as a leader, just like Amy here at Sandals Church, at your job, in your home, or maybe at another church or nonprofit, you can learn more and apply today at rogo.school. Now here's the awesome catch. It's all free. <laughs> it's all free, man. I love Sandals Church. The reason why we're able to build up leaders and share the leadership tools that God has given us is because you give. Thank you so much for giving and helping to develop global leaders. You can help continue to lead the way and provide this free opportunity for hundreds of individuals by giving. If you've never given to Sandals Church before, but you love what we're up to, now is a great time to get started. You can do that by going to give.sc right now. As we end our time together singing, let's sing knowing that God will meet you right where you are. Oh, I 
be the prayer of my life. passage that has been on my heart this week. So I've been praying for time of worship and praying for our church this week. And it's, it's in Luke 11, 34. It says, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation lie into your body. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate and the darkness takes its place. This has been such crazy, incredible year, and certainly there are some really dark things that have happened that you and I have walked through, but I think so much of maybe what we experienced, the darkness that we experienced day to day, actually comes from a place of where our eyes are fixed on. They've been removed from the light they're in the darkness. Maybe our gaze has fallen away from Jesus or fallen away from God, who's the God of light. There's a story in the Bible when Jesus calls out one of his disciples in faith and in a beautiful boldness, the disciple responds. He walks out onto water and the boldness was there, the faith was there, but the moment that the disciple took his eyes off of Jesus, the waters began to rise, began to sink. And I know that many of us have experienced a really hard season and maybe we feel like we're sinking. And in this moment, I just want us to put our eyes back on Jesus to let the eyes of our heart be opened, to make space for him to fill that room with his light, the light of his presence, the light of his glory and of his grace. We push back the darkness when we worship him. 
give him our praise, when we stay surrendered and tender and open up our hearts to him. We're gonna sing a new song today. It's a fresh song. It's called Let the Light In. And there's a line later on that says, open up the windows, let the light in. We're talking about the eyes of our spirit, the eyes of our heart. To open up the windows, open up your heart to God and let the light flood in. Let him change your perspective. Because when he comes, when the light comes, chains are broken, breakthrough happens, healing takes place, anxiety melts away in his peace, in the peace of his presence. And so let us sing these words over you as a declaration of faith. And when you catch on, I invite that you sing with us, that you open up your heart, that you let the light in. Let's sing this together. Let the light in, let the light in, open up the way. 
His presence is with us. God, we love you. You get all of our attention and all of our focus. Our hearts are open.
What an awesome time together. I got some hope for you as you leave today. I hope that you know that the Lord is in this place. I hope that you are finding ways to connect with others in the midst of difficult times. I hope that you are joining the angels rejoicing as kids have come to know Jesus Christ. I hope that you will consider applying to Rogo School and discovering how to lead and serve the Lord. I hope that you will join us this Christmas at Sandals Church. And please, if you would like to connect with me, you can always email me at pastorjeff at sandalschurch.com. And remember, Jesus is never going to leave you or forsake you. He is with you. We love you, Sandals Church.